Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we look at whether now is a good time to invest, and if it's wise to invest when everyone else seems to think it's a bad idea. With Phil Attreed, Head of Wealth Specialists, Maya Welford, Behavioural Finance Specialist, and Francis Adai, Senior Investment Specialist. If you are new to investing, want to learn more about investing, or want tips on how to manage your long-term financial plans, check out our sister podcast channel, Money Plan, available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Hello, and welcome back to Word on the Street. I'm joined this week by Francis Adai, uh, Senior Investment Strategist from our Asset Allocation Team, and Maya Welford, uh, Behavioural Finance Specialist in the Chief Investment Office. Now, we're going to be exploring whether it's wise uh, to be investing or invested when everyone else seems to think it's a bad idea. And thinking about the current economic climate, there's certainly never a dull week at the moment. Uh, and right now, we'll probably feel like a pretty challenging time to be invested. So we'll discuss when really is a good time to invest. But before we dive in, Francis, maybe, you know, firstly, welcome to Word on the Street. Maybe you can give us the latest on what's been going on in markets. Thanks, Phil. Uh, I feel glad and honored to be on the podcast. Last week was pretty much a risk-off environment in markets. Um, most of the risk assets fell, so equities were lower, yields were a little bit, government bond yields were higher, and credit spreads also rose a bit. This week, we've seen pretty much a continuation of it. Last week, you also had a much, much stronger dollar. It, it reached the strongest point in five weeks, particularly against the pound, which has been um, selling off significantly. And since Monday this week, we've seen an, a, a rally in oil, which has come as a surprise. But there were some comments from the um, Saudi oil minister saying that potentially they may have to cut production, um, which caused um, prices to spike. Just in general, this week also, there's been a lot of anticipation, I guess. Today and tomorrow, we have the Jackson Hole Synopsium, where a lot of the global central bank chairs and other staff will be meeting to have several discussions so I guess in anticipation of that, markets have been a little bit more volatile as there's no clear direction or indication of what to expect. Separate from markets, um, I guess more timely or more importantly, the topic on everyone's mind currently is economic growth, right? And the fears of rising recessions. This week, we've had a slew of data. We've had a lot of the uh, manufacturing data on the US, Europe, Japan and the UK. And the picture we're getting from there is that overall momentum is falling, right? So growth is decelerating. Relatively speaking, the US is holding up a little bit better than the others. That's purely in the manufacturing sector, that is, not in the services. In, in the services sector, US is actually doing pretty bad. The other economy doing really bad from a manufacturing perspective is the UK, where the level, the current manufacturing index, the level where it is, is currently at a point where you would expect a, an imminent recession. So it's below the threshold for where an economy is growing. And the last time we reached these levels were 13 years ago, if you take out the uh, COVID-19 2020 area. And you mentioned there how challenging the situation has been for the pound in recent weeks and also for other UK assets uh, as well. What are the main reasons driving that? The UK in particular is just a very poor growth outlook. Last month's inflation print came in at 10%, first double-digit print in close to 50 years. So you have a very, very poor growth outlook. You have sky-high inflation. 
And there's also more and more uncertainty emanating from the current leadership race and how that will impact fiscal policy. So, for example, last week, traders increased their bets on the pounds to fall. So in the options market, you saw much, much higher volumes on a lower pound, about six to nine times more than the average you've seen over the last two years, which is significant. If we look at the current uh, Bank of England base rate, which is at 1.75, and as most people know, we're currently in a hiking cycle. So we're in an environment where the Bank of England is increasing interest rates. But again, if you look at what traders are betting on where the rate should be, it's estimated to be at 3.4% by the end of this year, which is huge. Now, typically when you have rising policy rates, so when traders believe that your policy rates will be rising, that's a positive for the currency. You haven't seen that for the pound. It's actually been selling off even more, which is something you usually see with EM currencies, not developed markets currencies, um, given the lack of credibility in central banks in EM nations. And then maybe also another indicator that I've seen um, last week and this week is, is how much traders are pricing in then for inflation to be in the UK. So a year from now, the swaps in the swaps market, the RPI is estimated to be at 11.5%, which is much higher than what you're seeing now, the level of inflation, which is 10% in last month's print. Further, there was also a report on consumer sentiment, the GFK survey, which again has come in at low levels. In fact, the lowest level since 2008. And um, the reasons behind that is that consumers are they're being impacted by the high cost of living, deterioration in buying power, etc. And those are pretty much the main points, I would say, which make the UK outlook so negative. Thanks, Francis. And may I, obviously, Francis discussed the latest there regarding inflation, also the economic environment that we're finding ourselves in, in right now and forecasting out for the months ahead. You know, headlines, of course, are dominated by cost of living and also some of the associated investment consequences that we're seeing. Now, naturally, people may think that it's a bad idea to invest, you know, but also what other factors are you and the team feeling might influence people to feel this way? Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Phil. And so there are many potential reasons for this. And I'll touch on three. So I'll touch on experience or a lack of the media and the news, as you just kind of mentioned, and this thing called myopia. So if we think about a lack of experience with investing and also a sense of unfamiliarity can make investing feel uncomfortable, particularly when there's a climate of uncertainty. So newer investors who may be lacking experience with investing and they may not have experienced many market downturns before might experience negative emotions associated with investing more acutely than perhaps our more experienced investors. If we think about the media, the media and kind of news headlines can really intensify feelings we might be experiencing and might also lead us to believe that we need to kind of time our investments and we need to get the timing perfect. I also want to touch on this piece around myopia or, you know, we can call it short-sightedness. So during times of uncertainty and volatility, our perception of risk increases and we really experience loss aversion more acutely. Quite. And I mean, clearly, there there are a lot of factors which influence decision making in relation to investing. And I think on the media point in particular, we know that the news and media are often lagging rather than leading indicators influencing markets. So you know, Warren Buffett, obviously, the famous quote there, it being wise for investors to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Whilst a 
contrarian instinct can potentially serve us all quite well uh, in investing. It's probably easier said than done, though. Is that right? Yeah, so most investors tend to do the opposite as they're influenced heavily by their natural reaction. So when the markets are falling, investors tend to become concerned about their investments. But actually, many might make the mistake of cashing out their investments. And and this actually crystallizes the loss experienced due to the falling market and actually dissolving any chance of allowing their investments to rise in value as markets likely recover over the longer term. And in addition to the short-sightedness point I raised earlier, investors might also be experiencing this thing that I've spoken about before on the podcast called the action bias. And as a reminder, this is where people are compelled to take some action to feel like they're doing something. You know, we we all like to feel in control and be in control. And one way of doing this is through taking action. But we know that taking action just for the sake of it isn't always the best idea. Of course. I mean, and this really shows how emotions you know, have a huge role to play in investing. And, and it's why it's so crucial that we all take some time to understand how emotions may well play a role in, in decision making. So that's whether we're investors, whether we're advisors or, or investment managers actually looking after the money. Yeah, you're right, Phil. And while buying low and kind of selling high is ideal in an ideal world, we know that this ideal world just doesn't exist. There's no way of knowing with certainty that an investment is at its lowest or at its highest point. And you can often be worse off actually by experiencing the worst days and missing the recovery. What makes it even harder is that the worst and best days are often very, very close to each other. Again, this causes feelings of uncertainty. It can contribute to kind of clouded decision making. Right. And Francis, maybe bringing you back into the discussion, how do you and the investment team approach, you know, what is clearly a common and maybe an obvious question of, you know, when is the right time to be investing? I think Maya made some very, very good points and I'll have a few points to add, but she's she's pretty much um, laid it out there. Um, I think broadly speaking, there is no best time to invest, at least in in the team. How we look at things is that there are times when it makes sense to have more allocation to one asset class or less of a specific asset class. But um, in general, there's never really a time where you can say now is a good time to invest or now is a bad time to invest. So it's all relative, right? That's That's how we kind of look at it. And then also... And then, and one of the points that Maya made, I mean, yeah, in retros- re- retrospectively, the best time to invest is after prices are really, really low. But that's also the worst time because when prices are really, really low, there's usually a reason. Something bad may have happened. You've just entered into a recession. Some event in the world has shocked the, the world. So that's probably the worst time where you think it may be a good idea to invest because all your expectations are so biased towards negativity where you think, no, no, this is the worst thing in the earth. There's no way I'm going to invest. But that is actually a great time to invest. And then also, in general, markets tend to over or undershoot in response to information. So when a new information comes out, usually the market digests it and there's a huge rally or there's a sharp sell-off. And then within the next few days, the next few weeks, as more people get to process the information and act more rationally, prices find a balance somewhere. So I think in the short term, it's really, really difficult to time the market appropriately or even interpret information appropriately. Because if you have the masses, if you have the consensus going against you, then even if your view is correct, you will still lose money. So, you know, with that being said, I I would just stick to the um, Barclays investment philosophy, right, which makes it very clear 
Um, the focus shouldn't be to time the market, but you should more focus on time in the market. So just be investors across the whole cycle, which is something, as you may know, my team does quite well. So we have our strategic asset allocation and to, to take um, advantage of cyclical movements, we also have our tactical asset allocation book. Quite. I mean, we hear from Will all the time, but also many of you in amongst the team, you know, you spend a lot of time trying to make that journey of being invested as as easy and as smooth as possible for those who, who've managed to embark on, on getting that money into the markets. You know, what I'm obviously hearing is is that it makes sense to be fully invested, whether everyone thinks it's a good or a bad idea. But obviously, Maya, you know, this is easier said than done. How do clients maybe think about overcoming the impact of their emotions, which may lead to of more suboptimal outcomes for their investment portfolios. As you mentioned there, Phil, it, it's obviously kind of easier said than done. And it can it can be difficult to overcome these, which is why they can be so prevalent. So knowing and understanding how emotions play a role in investment decision making, which is something here that we do at Barclays and, and focus a lot of our kind of time and effort on. And that's really, really key. So here at Barclays, our behavioral finance team works with our wealth managers to ensure they have the latest behavioral insights on investments and to also build tools to ensure that we understand an investor's financial personality. But to answer your question, a good way to kind of try and manage emotions, which might hinder your investments, is to work with your wealth manager if you have one, or independently, and, and spend some time developing a plan of behavior up front. So you might want to sit and think about the different scenarios that could play out in the markets and how you might want to manage these before these times occur. When you're a bit more level-headed, I think it's a wise idea to kind of make that plan up front rather than waiting for the bad times to happen or the challenging times to happen. Because as we know, that that's when all of these kind of behavioral tendencies and emotions come up and really cloud our decision making. So what I'm really hearing there is, is it's you know, a good idea to be contracting with yourself, so to say, sort of up front to make that sort of future journey a little easier. And Francis, maybe some final thoughts from you. It's important to distinguish between our much longer term um, strategic asset allocation and our more tactical asset allocation approach to investing. So the um, strategic asset allocation has a view of roughly between five to 10 years. And the idea there is basically to capture the emergence of growth of new technologies and many of the top-down themes that the world is undergoing. This is established by having allocation to various asset classes and most importantly, staying investors through cyclical highs and lows. In our TAA book, on the other hand, we're a lot more nimble. We're much more res responsive to shorter-term cyclical deviations. And there we can take a view on, on several dislocations in the markets. If we believe asset classes stands at historical extreme valuations, for example, and there not being any fundamental justification for it, we can take a view on that, especially if we see that there's some kind of catalyst in the near term, which would cause a correction in this um, large deviation. Thanks, Francis. So really sort of thinking about both investing for the long term, but then, as you say, being a little bit nimbler in response um, to, to shorter term measures. Uh, look, thank you both. I think we're in agreement uh, when I say that there isn't specifically a right time to invest, but instead it's better to be invested than not. And of course, you know, this is for the long term, which ties well with our investment philosophy and the way in which we think about managing money. Thank you also our listeners for taking time to join us today. We'll be back next week with more from Word on the Street. All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.